This episode of To The Last Drop is sponsored by the Listen Audio app, where you can stream all your favorite radio stations, catch up on the latest news and entertainment, and dive into captivating podcasts all in one app. Download Listen, that's L-I-S-T-N, from the App Store or Google Play. The Listen Audio app, everywhere you are. It's time for To The Last Drop podcast with Liam Delcom and Brandon Nell. It's To The Last Drop. I'm Brendan Nell, and I'm here again with Liam Delcom. And uh, yeah, another week, another podcast. Liam, uh, good evening uh, and well, good afternoon and welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah, but uh, we were just talking about how it doesn't stop. It just, uh, just uh, keep. We just keep on trucking. I mean, that's basically what. Just... Yeah, and with us today, we've got a very special guest all the way from New York, uh, the owner of the Sharks, uh, Marco Mazzotti. Welcome, Marco. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, I think, well, here, I... here in New York, uh, rainy and snowy <laughs> New York. <laughs> I think, I think, Mark, just to kick us off, I mean, there's obviously been a lot going on with the Sharks and a lot of, obviously, a bit of disappointment with some of the results, as I'm sure you knew this question was probably going to come anyway. Um, a lot of people have asked me, sort of, what do the owners think and about everything that's going on? So maybe let's open with that. What do you think of where the Sharks are right now? Well, look, um, you know, how, how much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> look, we, you know, I think that... We're obviously not happy with where we are, um, and you have to. And, and when it happens in sports, you know you have to you have to look in the mirror and say what could we have done differently. Um, you have to question the people on the ground and question some of the decisions you know that were made, and take a little bit of a deep dive into into the uh, into the organization. We are not where we expected to be after two to three years of um investing in the franchise so frankly putting you know putting money into it um encouraging best practices um you know trying to build a media and entertainment business around rugby uh so we're not where we where we wanted to be but having said that i i will tell you this is the first year and it comes from it comes from coaching look we were stuck with some decisions that were made earlier on uh, like the coaching structure that was put in place. And at that point, you're stuck into a contract and and you're still learning a little and you want to see how the team unfolds. Uh, but I really do believe in, you know, in what, what Neil Powell brings uh, for, from a sevens background and, and how I expect rugby to evolve and the type of rugby you want to play. Um, the, the experience of a John Plumtree who understands um, Durban, who understands the Sharks uh, organizations and some of the young people around them. So I, I do believe, and I, and, you know, notwithstanding where we, where we sit in the log, um, I do believe that, you know, the, the culture is at that's emerging is something that's very healthy and something to build on. And it just takes, I'm impatient. I'm sitting here, you know, in New York, I try and get there as, as much as I can. You know, I, I'm impatient, but I, I can see things that are happening that make me a lot more comfortable than was the case in year one. I think people uh, probably don't appreciate the the magnitude of the task because it's not just about what happens on the field. I mean, as you rightly pointed out earlier, there's also the business part of this, uh, the developing of the brand. Um, to what extent do you think the, the Sharks have sort of 
the people on the ground have grasped the task that, that faces them? Um, look, I, I don't want to, you know, I think we're using people on the ground and I don't want to, you know, I, I think they, they need help and we've added some resources. I don't, I don't think, I think maybe we're on a little bit of a different page. You know, you know, people on the ground in the rugby business in South Africa have a certain way of doing things. They, they, they do them a certain way and, you know, and, and, and bring in new ideas and bring in new ways of, of doing things, um, is hard to do. And, and, and change is hard to do. And so, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, I represented, you know, a group that went into the Chelsea soccer team um, and I did that deal. And, you know, they were American private equity fund and, you know, they really changed everything. They, they, they felt, you know, unless you do that, you never know, you know, it's very hard to change people. You never know really what's going on on the ground. And, and I decided I, I, I am South African. I am from Memphis and Tody. I, I didn't want to be um, too American, too much of an American private equity person. I like the way we're doing it. Um, you know, we have put more people on the ground um, who can, you know, help uh, with the vision. And, and now I have a personal relationship with, with the coaches on the ground. I think that was important. I didn't have that before. You know, the, the, the South Africans are not used to the model of a controlling private owner of these types of businesses where there's got to be transparency and reporting and running judgments on things. But, you know, it's just it's it's a it's a very different model. And it's taken us a while uh, to, to get used to it. I've, I've done a lot of self-reflecting on it. Um, you know, I sat down with a very close friend who runs uh, Harris Blitzer. You know, they own like 16 soccer teams and an NFL team and, uh, and an NBA team. And I asked them how they engage with their teams, you know, and they do a weekly sports ops, uh, meeting. They do a weekly business ops meeting as owners. They don't, you know, they do, they use a lot of data analytics. You know, they don't get into who the people are and, uh, you know, who runs onto the fields, but, you know, they get into, how do we do things? How do we, what best practices do we have? Have you thought about something different? Um, and that's, and that's, and that's what we're working on. And I think we finally, we finally getting there. And I think it's going to be very healthy, um, for the franchise on and off the field. Do you think maybe there was a case of, of with you guys coming in that, the, uh, that maybe the shots shot to, you know, aim too high too quickly, if I can put it that way, instead of, yeah, putting the groundwork in and 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 the and and the the structures and all that. Um, I mean, look in South Africa, as you know, I mean, there's a there's the 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 idea that they went out and they bought these superstars like Etzebeth and Sia and 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 all that, and um, and and that may have maybe have upset a bit of that culture in that team at that moment. So, do you think uh, is that a fair statement, or do you think that's uh, maybe a mis- bit misguided? No, look, I, I think it's a fair statement. There's, there's not one, you know, a rugby team. I mean, it's almost like an orchestra. Every, every part of it, you, you know, you know, when we came in, I was getting emails from Stormers fans about it's the worst Stormers team they've ever seen. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the coaching structure is settled. The, it just, you know, it, it, re, it really does take time to get the orchestra right. And yes, when you bring in different pieces, it can upset the apple cart. But it's Eben Etzebeth. You know, he he was the one person I got into the phone with. I mean, he he is fan. If you can't figure out how to make it work around the Eben Etzebeth, he drives culture 
and hard work and standards. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I think it just, it just takes time. And, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's effectively just arrived and Sia just, you know, so great for the franchise to be associated. Sia was part of, you know, you know, why we did that. I mean, I regard him as a business partner, but, but you're right, you know, for, you know, for the team at the time, it, it, it was probably disruptive. Um, it was hard on the, you know, probably, you know, Sean Everett is, is a very, very good technical coach, but some of these things, you know, were almost, you know, forced onto, you know, the local team and the coaches that were, you know, you know, set up around him. So it didn't look, it could have, you know, that season we finished fifth in the log and then, you know, you know, lost in the quarters and, you know, it could have, you know, it, with rugby, it's a little bit about, you know, momentum and time. And so, look, we've made some good decisions. We've, we've made some bad decisions. You have to, the whole franchise, you know, what happens in South African rugby, everyone points in different directions and, you know, there, there are lots of reasons for it. The fans don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but I know that people are working very, very hard to turn it around. I know we've got really, really good players. Uh, we've got some young players who are very exciting, you know, coming through. We've got some, you know, experienced old hands who are very committed to the franchise. Um, we're probably missing a few chess pieces, but I do believe with this coaching structure, um, you know, we, we, we're going to get it right. You've also got a, you also tied the hip, all the franchises have tied the hip with SA Rugby, so there needs to be a, a proper working relationship. Uh, in terms of, if you look at the, something like the, the size of squads and the demands placed uh, on players, the number of games that they, that they can play a season, um, you know, are you on the same page with, with, with SA Rugby? I mean, are there, are there tweaks or the things that you would want to change on, on that front? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the same page with SA Rugby. You know, firstly, let me just say a few things about that. I mean, SA Rugby, look, we, we all have to take our hats off. I mean, it is incredible what SA Rugby has achieved over the last two World Cups. Um, and you, and you have to give a lot of credit where it's due. It is incredible what the Springboks have achieved, what the Springbok brand has achieved, what the business around the Springboks have, you know, has achieved, how it's piercing all parts of South African communities. It is, uh, enormously impressive. Um, what the coaches have achieved. I mean, we have, we have coaches, you know, who really, you know, thinking out of the box and, and really, you know, thinking about rugby in a different way. And we outsmarting, you know, we outsmarting uh, other teams. And it's, I just think it's incredibly impressive, but it's coming at the expense of the clubs and we don't, we don't need it to, you know, we, we need, we need a structure that's built on, you know, I call it partnership and alignment. I have to be incentivized to help SA rugby and they have to be incentivized to help me. I should just get a percentage, you know, of, of the proceeds. We should have, you know, we should have a deal on player availability. Uh, there are lots of ways we can collaborate. You know, in, in the NFL, it is all about the NFL. The teams and the NFL, they collaborate more than they compete. And we just have to, you know, it, it's a relationship. I think we'll get it right. We just have to keep working hard at it, but we, we need to go 
back to the drawing board on, on, on what the right model is uh, for the major franchises, because it, it is no doubt about it. It impacted, it's cost me money. Okay. I paid for eight players to be uh, at the World Cup and unavailable to the Sharks. We were pay, paying the comp. We got small pony contributions, but in no way was it enough, you know, for the lost revenue uh, that was the result of them there. So I've, I've, I'm financing SA Rugby. It's not the other way around. You know, I'm financing, and two of our players, marquee players, I mean, it's impacted our seasons, have been injured, and we're still paying the comp. It is my joy to do it when, when we lift the trophy, um, and I'm happy to be doing it, but it's coming at the expense of, of the franchises. And, you know, it's a very short-term way of thinking. You know, we need really strong local teams, you know, for the, you know, for the good of the game in, in South Africa. You obviously have to operate under certain constraints in terms of uh, squad sizes. Uh, if you think of this season, maybe next season, what would be the ideal? I mean, if you could contract, if you have a, a, a blank slate, I mean, how many players would you be able to, not be able to, but would, would you like to contract? Way more. Okay, if it's 53, now way, way more. You know, and because at the end of the day, the, the real asset of South African rugby are the, are the best players, you know, that, that, that's what I'm effectively buying into, the best talent pool in the world. And if I, you know, my whole idea and dream is you can't, as a South African rugby franchise, do it on your own. And there are going to be a few transformational events for rugby. One of them is the 2031 uh, World Cup in the United States and the development of a Super League in Europe. Okay, if those are, and so we we can't do it on our own, and so we have to. It's what what Harris Blitzer does, what Man City does. We have to create player paths through collaborations. If I can contract, you know, seventy five players, and 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 make them part of the Sharks family, even when they're playing at Old Glory in the United States, even when they're playing at Saracens, even when they're playing at Nobon in the second division of the French league, I can, you know, I can, you know, I, I've got an asset that I can market. I can keep them within, within the Sharks family. I can grow our brand. I can develop players who are not getting enough playing time, uh, develop players who need a life experience in other jurisdictions without losing them. I think what, you know, rugby players need, I keep on saying to, you know, to, the, to, the, to the guys on the ground, that they need something to come back to. You know, the idea of, you know, going to play, you know, two years in Bath, one year in France, you know, one year in Japan, you still, you know, are, are you making meaningful money to last your whole lifetime? You, you you have to have something to come back to. You have to have a franchise, you know, when you walk in the building, there's a statue of you, you know, if you have adversity in your life, there's a community who can help you. If you, you need, you need a family to come back to you. And, I don't think you can create that family just on your own in the realities of today's world, but you can through creating player paths and, and collaborations. At the end of the day, this is a human capital intensive business and the sharks will be most successful. And we really, really take care of the human capital, even if that means we have to, you know, as part of their growth and development, uh, have them play outside of the country briefly. Mark, I mean, I hear what you say. I mean, part of it is as well. I mean, part of the problem is the global game um, at the moment. I mean, I, I, I hear what you say about uh, um, SA Rugby and, and 
and that. But I think with the as well with the rugby championship sitting where it is in the calendar, the tour sitting where they are in the calendar. I mean, it's it, it's not sustainable for anybody in South Africa. The players play twelve month seasons. There's no preseason anymore. So th- those things have to change as well, and and would obviously make that whole relationship a lot easier between the clubs and 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 SA Rugby. Um, the other thing I, was, I thought I'd maybe get your point, your point of view on as well. I mean, if rugby's to evolve as well, I mean, the other thing I always find quite strange is that rugby doesn't have like football, a transfer system where, I mean, you guys can contract 75 guys then and then the guy wants to leave and another club wants him, then you make some money off that. Yeah, it doesn't, but yes, we should be able to. <laughs> and And we have, you know, we have made a little bit of money uh, look, that's it's you know I, I would like you know more players, longer contracts because at the end of the day, that is a massive asset of South African rugby. And so, look, you'll you'll see a little bit of it. There are um, you know it's not the, obviously not the same transfer system of, of other sporting codes, uh, but there have been a few isolated and increasing examples of um, of transfer fees. If you if you talk transfer fees, it's, it's one of those things where you you kind of need the entire ecosystem to move along with it. I mean, do, do you yeah. think it's it's something that you know that you that you can broker? That something that you can make happen in the next what three, four, five years? Yes, and it and it really moves the needle for South African clubs. You know, be, get you know getting a you know a euro you know a euro transfer fee. The, the, you know you know the currency is very compelling. The European currency very compelling, you know. For us to be there, um, a lot of those clubs are looking for the talent, and you know we 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 here on the on the ground, and so I I, th- I think you'll see more examples of it. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To the Last Drop podcast. Mark, well, you mentioned the 2031 World Cup. Um, uh, I was just thinking as well. With I know you guys are quite ambitious in terms of your plans to turn turn the Sharks into a global brand. Um, are, are we going to see? And I, I know there's probably not much time left in the calendar where you can organise these sort of exhibition games and things like that. But are we going to see the Sharks uh, maybe playing in some exotic places in the US? Um, absolutely, that's the plan. Uh, and we, ha- you know, we have a, a guy on the ground now in in Durban. He's just coming for a three month stint. Um, he lives in New Jersey, you know, we're not going to look, we are a global brand, the, the, the sharks, the sharks are the top brand in South Africa, notwithstanding where we're sitting, uh, on the log. And there's, there's a lot of, and there, by the way, there is only one sharks. I mean, it, it drove me <laughs> crazy when you guys were calling sale, the sharks, when playing, it, it, you have no idea how much it drove me crazy. Um, but you know, you know, it comes it comes from the two thousands. Um, massive brand in Australia, New Zealand, um, in Europe. You know, sharks fans are everywhere. You know, massive following in um, in, in the UK. So you know, we, we're a gr- global brand, but we want the American market to to understand. And look, as I said, we could do. We will be here. You know, we could do it in collaboration with uh, with the Saracens, for example. Uh, who want to be here as well um you know it wouldn't surprise me if you see a, a urc game played here you could play a munster or leinster where they've got massive following here um which is what the english premiership have done in the past as a way of so in the lead up to the rugby world cup as the game has been promoted more 
uh, I think you see, but you know, we 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 want the Sharks as part of that, and and you have to dream big <laughs> for your hometown team. Yeah, you know, we're here. There's no reason why we can't. No, exactly. Um, and there's and there's a lot of rugby here. You know, there's a it's 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 very connected. Um, it's very connected to a little bit military culture here. So at, at places like West Point, um, you know, there's there's a lot of rugby here. Our relationship is with Old Glory in Washington, D.C. I think you have to be on the east coast of the country. Um, you know, the owners there have become, you know, good friends. The Beast played for Old Glory uh, when he was here. And and so, again, creating player pathways, you know, we want really strong relationships, uh, you know, for when that happens. But you will see Sharks coming through. And, you know, I'd like a few of the guys to even go spend some time Um you know, one of my clients owns the Washington Commanders. They recently purchased it. You know, go and and spend a week, mm. see how the players train and condition. Have the coaches spend time with their coaches? There's, you know, that's that's a, a sport that's a cousin of ours. I mean, I'm a massive fan of it, and uh, it's it creates another possibility for getting our sport out there a little. If you try to get a sort of brand awareness around the Sharks in, in the States, uh, then surely they should, at some point, uh, if you take things to its natural conclusion, be involved in some form of formal combat on that continent. Uh, do you foresee that happening? Yeah, you mean formal combat as in playing? As or in playing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as in a, uh, a proper uh, I'm, I'm getting the Drekkers <laughs> fight on, on Saturday, so that's uh, the different... Uh, uh, yes, no. I, I mean, I, I can foresee them playing against one of the MLS, MLS clubs, MLS All Star. Uh, there are a few. We, we're really, really struggling, as Brendan said, with the season. Um, but there are a few. There are a few people here trying to do what soccer did. So you, you create a, a little bit of a preseason competition. Now, it's not helpful to our brand because it's probably at a time of year when you're without your Springboks. Um, but I think it's still a, still a great idea, creating opportunities for young players. So what you could do is you could have, um, you know, you could have the Brumbies here, you could have Saracens, you could have the Sharks, you could have, um, you know, I'd like to see the Stormers here as well. You know, I'm, you know, close friends with one of their new co-owners. Um, and you could see some of the MLS teams, you know, you do like a small preseason thing and, you know, it's amazing. So for us, uh, in the URC, you know, Ireland is a six-hour flight from New York. Yeah. You know, you could do you could do a week or two of preseason here, and then you know, kick off your URC campaign in Europe. You mentioned the Stormers, Mark. I, I have to ask. I mean, is it, given the fact that they finally gone through that and they finally got the equity deal done, was there not a tinge of um, perhaps, uh, yeah, looking back and thinking, geez, if they could have only had done that a two, two, three years earlier? Um, yeah, I, I know you had the. Uh, we spoke a lot at that time. Uh, very rough uh, negotiations at that time with the then management of the who are now obviously gone. But do you ever yeah. think back and wonder, especially with the storm was ended? Yeah, well, is is their deal done? I think they've ended in the right place. No, I don't feel like that at all. I mean, I'm I'm so invested in you know um, the sharks. You know, my mom and my sister go to the games. Uh, you know, I lost my dad three years ago. We created a suite with photos of him everywhere it's you know it's 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 been it's been so wonderful for me personally um you know i think durban you know needs a lot of help the local community you know need the shot i i'm, I'm so i i just want the 
you know, I want us to be winning and I want the business, you know, to get to the next level of its growth. Um, I love the Stormers. I love the Stormers. I, I do realize in retrospect that it's just a much harder, you know, it's just a much harder deal. Mm. It'll it'll be way more uh, expensive. Um, it's just, uh, you know, you won't, these types of deals, you, you really have, I mean, it's, it's hard enough at the Sharks. You really, as a controlling owner, you really, I've given them some advice. You really need to to exercise control to get things done. Um, it's just it's just a harder deal. It's a harder fan base. So I think, and they have the right group of people there. Stormers fans through and through, major business people. Um, and I think we can, as I said, you have to collaborate. You have to make it about the sport of rugby in South Africa, and you have to collaborate more than you compete. And I think now with uh, with and I. I think they were getting there were a few you know conditions to the deal. I think they're almost there. I think we now have you know. I mean, if you take a step back co- compared to some of the European clubs, I mean, we've got great ownership groups at South African franchises. Mm-hmm. We have you know two of the top business people in South Africa at uh, at the Bulls. You know, we have this great consor- consortium joint ventures slash ownership group uh, at the Stormers. Um, we've got. You know, we've got us at the Sharks, including you know some owners of other other types of sports. A great group of local uh, business people that tap into lots of different types of businesses in South Africa. I mean, these are people around the game who can create real opportunities for players while they're playing. And are, and if we just get it right, it's. I mean, you know, right now our, our Springbok coach is, is helping Irish rugby at Leinster. And and we have players going there. Uh, if we we can have great clubs in South Africa, you know, with with the. Well, you mentioned at the start. Sorry, you mentioned at the start of the interview that um, that you're impatient. Uh, you you want things to move in the right direction. Do have you had to reset your objectives uh, for the Sharks um, in terms of uh, in terms of trophies, if I can put it that way, uh, for the next season or two? I mean, what what is the what is the the piece of silverware that that you would be happy with in the next year or two? It's for me. It's all about it's all about the top competition. I mean, that's why Springboks are there. You want to win for your brand. The top competition uh, that is available to clubs, and so it's it's the Heineken. Well, it's not the Heineken, but it's the Heineken Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Invest that cup. That that's what that that has to be your goal as a club. That has the most exposure. Um, so so that is that is the goal. The South African the South African teams are building the building to it. I think you know, and I think you know what, what the Bulls are doing is you know very thoughtful. They got a World Cup winning coach. You have to respect what they're achieving. What the the Stormers have already won the URC, but you know I think. Until we get everything right with SA Rugby, you know the, the clubs are still developmental clubs for the for the game more broadly, and so the focus is on on the URC. I, I think Curry Cup becomes you know for young guys, you know URC is still developmental. But if we really want to get to the next level, we we have to win the Investec, and the only way you do that is with the best players in the world. Yeah, well, is, it, is it possible? Yeah, is, it, is it possible with Sorry, you, you go, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, Liam. Uh, I was going to say, just on that point, though, I mean, 
How much does it hurt you then that given where the team is now, um, it looks unlikely that through the URC at least they'll they'll qualify. They've obviously still got a chance through the, the Challenge Cup if they win that to qualify for the Champions Cup. But, I mean, that must be the first goal, and I think that probably would be a disappointment if you guys don't get there uh, by the end of the season. It's going to be a disappointment season after season if we don't get there. You have to have something that's... Now, I, I know the realities of, as I said, I described as an orchestra, okay, is it, is it going to be next thing? I think we need to give our, our coaches and players time together. I mean, we're halfway through the year season, you know, our head coach is just really getting to know the players. That's the reality. You know, you have to look at where you are at 18 months. You have to look at, you know, the coaches tell me that's sort of a threshold. That's sort of a threshold time. You know, you have to look at where you are at three years. I really, really believe uh, in in the people on the rugby side of things as i said we'll need a few more chess pieces along the way but they have a plan now and i think it's very thoughtful and so when i speak to them i was in durban recently we sit down and we go go through the plan you you have to if you have a goal you have to have a plan so you know i i think it would take a lot it was probably like the the springboks winning the world cup in, in in 2019 um you know i think you know the coaches were aiming probably for the last World Cup. I think it'll 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 take something extraordinary, you know, to win it. But it's 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 gonna take and I'm just for all of the South African franchises, um the availability of our internationals for the Michael, my last one, uh, my last question is a little offbeat. Uh when you watch rugby now, uh, do you watch it differently? I I, I absolutely do. And I, I, I will tell you because of the season. I haven't been enjoying it as much, and uh, you know I, I've I've learned a lot. I, I've got so much passion for the sport and, and and some of the players, and and I can see what they've been going through. So it hasn't been as enjoyable, but I know I will start enjoying it again. You know, when I see some of the hard work transferring into success on the field. And and I want success off the field too for the fans. There's there's so much we can be doing. It's 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 really changing the ment- mentality. It is not a rugby business. It is a media and content entertainment business. Mm. And you have to the product we're selling, the major product we're selling is rugby, but it it requires thinking about it different. And we can we can all get it right. The um the last one from me, Marco, is this this uh, podcast is also a bit offbeat. Is also a it's rugby and wine we normally do. Um, so we normally open yeah. a bottle. So um, yeah, I mean, you sit in New York. How, how much South African wine do you get there? And what do you enjoy watching the Sharks with? <laughs> uh, well, it's taken a lot of alcohol this season. I am a wine drinker. I'm, I'm, I must confess, you know, because I I live in Midtown and I um. I have an apartment uh, in in Midtown, just above um, the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, I'm on the 28th floor, and Vincent May, who's my co-controlling owner of the Sharks, has an apartment on the 36th floor. And uh, I'm generally around in Manhattan, go out every night, and 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 love uh, South African wine. So one of South Africa's winemakers, uh, Ken Forrester, his his daughter Vicky is one of my the young partners in my group. Uh, at Pawai. So, it, you know, I'll, 
you know, I'll do, I'll do a plug for the, the Ken Forrester <laughs> wines. Uh, so it's generally that, but I, I, I like a good uh, South African red. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard because the games here, when I'm at least in New York, and I, I'll try and go to the ones in Europe, they at, um, so the game over the weekend was at 8 a.m. <laughs> right you know oh, so it's not, it's not like i'm opening a bottle of wine uh well they say mimosas with champagne or something like yeah, that yeah yeah so um, you don't find yourself hopping on a plane for a weekend go to the napa valley and come back with a couple of boxes uh, no 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 that's that's almost like going to europe but you know i'd rather go to ireland or scotland and you know uh have, have a whiskey yeah i was gonna say ken forrest is also involved with the sharks isn't he isn't he the wine supplier was a He's somewhere involved with the Sharks. You know, he's, uh, you know, the um, controlling uh, owner of Saracens is, is Dominique Sylvester. He's a, you know, very good friend. Uh, him and Ken are, are very close friends. And so, you know, you'll find a few Forrester bottles of wine on the ground at the Sharks around holiday time. And, <laughs> you know, it's often Dominique giving everyone gifts. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and he's wonderful, wonderful rugby person um we, we we've just got some you know great investors in the franchise we just you know need to unleash them a little when, when we get things you know right on the ground i must say i've had a couple of kin forester ones they, they've never disappointed so i'm sure you have as well yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah in but... your case you can't see the wood for the trees afterwards can you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Margaret, thanks for joining us. This has been great. I mean, we could have probably fill two hours with this this discussion, but we'll get you on sometime again, and hopefully then we'll have a lot more po- uh, good stuff to talk about about the sharks then as well. No, and happy. You know, we want to hear from you guys on the ground. You, you're speaking to everyone. Uh, you know, we we also learn a lot from you. So uh, it's it's always a pleasure speaking to you. You're with Brendan Nell and Liam Delcom on the To the Last Drop podcast. Back, Brendan, it is the final round of matches in the EPCR, in the Challenge Cup, as well as the Champions Cup. Uh, there's obviously a lot at stake. Uh, we have to look at, uh, f- obviously, f- previous form in this competition, but also there will be a level of desperation now uh, as teams jockey for positions. Let's start with the, the Champions Cup. Yeah, the, I, th- I think the one thing to mention is I know there's a lot of criticism of the format, and it's not perfect. And I've said it in the past, but... When you look at the way it's turned out, there's there's something to play for for everybody in each week, and I think that's mm. great. Yeah, there's little margin for error. I mean, you can you can maybe slip up. I think in the case of La Rochelle, they obviously slipped up twice. There's a number of teams that have slipped up twice, but then there is a chance for redemption. I mean, you can play yourself. You won't get a great uh, seeding uh, going further, but if you're good enough. Uh, you can manufacture a win away from home in the last 16 and maybe even the quarterfinals. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot, a lot still to play for. And there, there is, especially you now, there's some, some intriguing games. And I think if you look at the last round that we had this past weekend, some of the former of the big teams, uh, the, the Toulouse, La Rochelle, Leinster, although Leinster played a second, mm. second string start, um, yeah, has been really on form. And the, this, I, I suppose, you shouldn't really say the surprise for me. The team that impressed me most was the 50-point hammering that Bordeaux gave for Saracens, which um, I must admit, I, I expected them to win. I didn't expect them to win by 50. Mm. Yeah, the, the things obviously not all well at Saracens. Um, I mean, I suppose they are potential player defections and so on. That might be a distraction. But, yeah. Uh, are you talking about one speaking. particular player? 
because it seems just there's one player that wants to go, but um, uh, a certain player that gets talked about around a lot around uh, you know, Saracens. Uh, I'm not sure what his name is, but he's, uh, he's pretty much the marquee player that's going to France. Well, some people might say uh, he can be a, a pain in the neck, depending on how he tackles, but yeah. <laughs> well, okay, let's leave it there, because we're not going to go into that. We're talking predictions, and we start on Friday night. Uh, big one, Glasgow and Toulon. Uh, that's your opening one. Uh, I'm just going to get the tables up here while we speak. Um Glasgow and Toulon. Glasgow, of course, losing out there. Toulon have basically got almost no chance of, 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 of well, they still have technically a chance. Yeah. But Glasgow, yeah, mm. were, were horrifically denied there against Exeter with that, that horrible finish there. But, um, yeah, I think yeah. they could be. Yeah, we, well, we're not going to dwell on that. But, yeah, I suppose uh, Glasgow's form in this competition, not as compelling as it is in the URC, but they should have the beating of Toulon. And yeah. I think uh, I'll give them by a good 12 points at least. Yeah, uh, and then the next Friday night game is Connacht-Bristol. Um, a difficult one because both teams aren't having been great. But um, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, that in that uh, somebody's going to come fourth in that pool one. And yeah. Bristol and Saracens are neck and neck. Connacht are one. So technically, Connacht could probably, if Saracens and Bristol lose, if they beat Bristol, obviously in Saracens. Absolutely. They can get in there, but yeah. Before I looked, before I looked at the log, I thought Connacht were out, but they not. They still, they can still sneak in, uh, and they have a yeah. I suppose they have more than something to play for. They actually have a lot to play for. Uh, so a bonus point win for them at home, and obviously then denying Bristol Bears will will see them through. So while I might have gone Bristol Bears, uh, I, you know, with with Connacht still having a chance of going through, I'm going to go them. Uh, by like with eight points. Well, I mean, Saracens could probably still get through if they get two two points, and then they'll be three as well. So, I mean, it's a it's a bit of an intriguing one, not really one we're going to focus on too much. But yeah, uh, it's almost like the bottom of the log scraping in at the back there. Don't think any teams are going to, or those teams are going to trouble anybody yeah. further in the competition. But technically, they both can get there, and I suppose that's that's good. Uh, then we move on to Saturday, uh, Pool Two, uh, interesting one. Harlequins against Ulster. Um, and just looking at the log, Harlequins are third, Ulster are fourth. Um, also a situation where Racing and Cardiff, who play each other, which we'll talk about now now, um, yeah, could also sneak in there if Ulster lose. But Harlequins have already qualified, so it'd be interesting to see what side they mm. put on. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Harlequins regardless. Um, and I think they'll they'll probably win by slightly more than uh, a goal. In other words, we're looking at eight, nine points. Yeah, we were, we were talking last week about uh, Ulster and you know facing Toulouse and that, and I mean I think it was something like thirty odd nil after twenty eight minutes there in, in in Belfast. I think the scars of that loss to Toulouse is probably still going to run a bit deep for Ulster, and they certainly don't yeah. look again like a side that's going to trouble anyone further in the competition. Look, there's no disgrace in losing to Toulouse at home, but if if you look at the margin by which they lost, then yeah, they may ask some questions. And then the big one, Loftus Hirschfeld, 3 o'clock Saturday. Bordeaux Begles against the Bulls. And I'm hearing rumors that Bordeaux are bringing the, the first choice team out. They packed with uh, the likes of Benoit. All of them are coming out to South Africa. Uh, and uh, Jake said this morning to us when we met him uh, for his interview, he said, uh, Madosh Tambwe has asked for, for tickets. 
So he's obviously going to be playing unless he's going to sit in the stands with his family. <laughs> so I expect him to be playing as well. So, uh, and we're he's... probably going to see a lot of the South Africans in the teams, the Kalu Sadis probably also brought in as well for this game. And uh, that's going to be an interesting one because Bordeaux in a tricky position. The Bulls have to win. If the Bulls get one point, they're qualified. But obviously you want a bit of seeding. Uh, but yeah. Bordeaux in a tricky position because if Leon win against Saracens, and Bordeaux lose against the Bulls, hmm. they drop to third. So their three big wins in the pool then count almost for nothing. Yeah. So uh, they have to go all guns firing. Yeah, which also probably remind people the the better the harder you finish, the better your draw uh, come last round of 16. So uh, in that sense, Bordeaux obviously felt that, okay, they're not entirely safe, but then also, you know, uh, in terms of that log, final log position, um, you know, better to be on the safe side. So... Uh, it's interesting that they are bringing all, all the the heavyweights. So uh, yeah, I think, regardless, I think Bulls for me still are favourites at home. It's, you yeah. know, it will take some effort. Whoever's going to upstage them at Loftus, uh, especially a team coming from Europe. Um, so for me, Bulls still by uh, double digits. Well, no teams come within ten points of Bulls at Loftus from Europe. So, um, but yeah. they they certainly are classy outs for Bordeaux. So be interesting, but for them to arrive on a Wednesday at altitude and Pretoria is going to probably be about 28, 29 degrees on Saturday. Um, that will make it difficult for them, all those factors, but they are a classy side. It's just interesting, yeah. you mentioned the, the format. Maybe we should just explain to people how the format for the draw works because uh, there was some debate about it this morning when we had Loftus about it. Um, so the teams, the four pools, four sides go through, the fifth side's Sides that end up fifth in the four pools drop to the Challenge Cup. The sides that end sixth are just automatically out. Mm. Uh, so those four, top four sides then get seeded. So what you have is you have um, on points, pool A, B, C, D, they take the top sides that f- finish, and they get ranked one to four by points. And then the same, the second sides in those pools get ranked by the points that they've earned yeah. as well, five to eight. And then nine to nine to twelve and thirteen to sixteen, and then obviously one against sixteen, two against fifteen, and that's how it goes on. So where you finish that's is extremely all. important in this competition, and that's going to make a huge factor as well. So yeah, you know, the Bulls know if they get a good win, they get five points out of this. Um, they could easily get themselves a home game for that round of sixteen, and that's going to be quite interesting. Well, the interesting thing, yeah, apart from that, also is if if they if they maintain if the Bulls and the Stormers maintain their current positions, uh, they potentially on a collision course. Yeah, but I mean, I think after this weekend, that's sort of blown out the water because the other one we all saw that graphic that was going around on social media that was said that the other one that was there would be Leicester, Leinster, sorry, facing La Rochelle, and uh, you can easily create see a scenario where. Leinster beat them at La Rochelle in the pool game, and La Rochelle would storm back and win a knockout game. Yeah. I think everybody's <laughs> quite happy that that thing created a bit of debate, but I think it's going to look very different after this weekend. Okay, next team, Leicester against Leinster. Um, interesting, very interesting one. If I look at, again, looking at the logs, Leicester against Leinster in that pool four, Leicester are third with nine points. And Leinster are really qualified with 14. So Leinster is probably going to put out a second team. And if you look at the their performance last week, uh, I think I think they would want to put that right. In some areas of the game, they were quite poor. Uh, La Rochelle certainly bossed them properly. Yeah. Uh, so they'll they'll be smarting from that defeat. 
Uh, but, but you know what? I mean, if, if Leinster uh, decide to go uh, with something resembling their best squad, then I don't see them losing. So I'm still going to go Leinster. Yeah, and and Leinster can still qualify. And it's interesting because they level on points with the Stormers in that in that uh, pool as well. And and La Rochelle's fourth and seventh, but the wild card year is Sell Shocks, so they're on five. They can still qualify. Um, <clears> yeah, <throat> and, and and we'll see later on. With, but it, it's a big but. Yeah. And, That's but, a big but. Then they'll have to beat La Rochelle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stranger things have happened, but not likely. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. So we're picking a Leinster one there, even though they're away from home. Uh, Leinster. Yeah, I'm going Leinster. Yeah. I think, it, to me, it depends on the team that Leinster pick. I think the second stringers are within five points of Leinster, but I think a second string side might lose there at Welford Road. Uh, Racing 92 haven't been very good entire season i'm being um rather polite here and cardiff who've also haven't been rather good at the bottom of pool two uh one of them can still qualify technically unlikely but if ulster lose uh one of them could sneak in the back door mm. and uh, you know i mean yeah uh, i'm gonna go racing 92 uh i'm gonna advantage cardiff have been abysmal uh, at times this season uh, so it will take a supreme effort, I think, from them to suddenly turn things around in Paris. Yeah. Uh, another intriguing clash coming in Pool 3, Munster against Northampton Saints. Northampton Saints won three This is probably three. the pick of the weekend. Um, well, other than Loftus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think that's the game of the weekend. But okay, this is your pick of the weekend. Northampton have been pretty decent. They've won three out of three. And Munster uh, performed a brilliant... Lazarus Act to win in Toulon this weekend. So, mm. yeah, it, it is a very interesting matchup because Munster uh, they they're not playing with the same uh, grit and determination at home as they perhaps have in previous seasons, but um, they will still be a, a hard nut to crack at home. So, as much as the Saints um, will go there with great form and uh, a lot of um, wind in their sails, if I can put it that way. Uh, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable game. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to actually go with Munster. Yeah, I think so as well. Northampton, though, I mean, again, tricky situation. You want to end up top, and they got 14 points. Another five would give them a home yeah. ground advantage, definitely for the next round. And I suppose that comes into account. But so there's, even there, there's something to play for. Uh, again, then Saturday night, start front yeah. save yeah. against the DHL Stormers. Um, Start Francais, I suppose. I suppose the ad comes down to which start Francais are we going to see, because they've been abysmal in this competition. They've lost all three of their games. Uh, the Stormers need a win, mm. and they're going to be going probably with their best squad up there. Uh, I would back the Stormers there, but uh, again, it, it depends. Are start Francais actually serious about this game? I would venture to say probably not. I think they will probably um, have their focus sharpened on the top 14. So for me, the storm is if certainly if they take something that resembles their, their best 23, uh, then I'm going to go stormers. And then the final game on Saturday night, Saracens Leon, um, Saracens desperate to win. Leon obviously want a great seeding. That's a great matchup. And I suppose the question there is how many, how many wounds do Saracens still have to lick after their morning last week? And, um, yeah, can they bounce back from that? They are certainly a quality side, but as we mentioned before, there may be some problems there already. Uh, Leon, I think, are purring pretty nicely as a team, 
and uh, probably probably looking to score a good away victory then. Yeah, for me, I think I don't think Saturdays are going to have two poor weekends uh, in a row. So I think they will bounce back this week, where they'll be good enough to beat them. I don't know, uh, but uh, I'll still I'll still give it to the Midown by a few points. Not much in it. And and then the giant killers, Cell Sharks, facing Stud Russell, La Rochelle, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I can't see them coming within ten points of La Rochelle, especially if the La Rochelle pack does what the La Rochelle Pack does. And we've had Guthrie Steenkamp on this this podcast. Uh when they got when they got into f- uh, form on Saturday night, they were they were almost unstoppable. Mm. I don't think there was a team on earth that, that would have stopped them. That that was a that was a, a, a performance of real intent. It was powerful. It was one that yeah and I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's uh, it'll be very, very difficult to stop. Uh so you in a way have to feel for Leicester Tigers last week. Um, and, and as much as Sail Sharks are one of the teams, and they showed it in Cape Town, lots of resolve. They play with a lot of mongrel. They drag you into battles that you probably don't want to get involved in. I think La Rochelle is far too smart for that. I think they just their raw power and their ability to, to mix things up uh, will be far too compelling. So for me, La Rochelle by at least double digits. Yeah, I could see. I could see it maybe being competitive for half an hour, forty minutes, and then La Rochelle putting away there. Uh, okay, then Sunday's other two games, uh, the the one also which could be the pick of the week, to lose against Bath, both have won three out of three. Uh, I, I don't think Bath have got anywhere close to, to winning Toulouse, but but there's a romantic in me that says maybe, maybe, yeah, they're playing with some form, but I still think Toulouse will probably run away with 10 points. What romanticism uh, are you talking about? Why is this um, <laughs> the romantic in you has been awakened? I, I I think I like the fact that I mean look I'm I'm, I'm there's no secret I, I'm I'm quite friendly with Jan from Kran. Um he's a good man uh, and Thomas Dutoy and those the South Africans in the team and I think what they're doing there at Bath is 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 quite exceptional where they've come from last season right at the bottom weren't in Europe. Mm. Qualified for Europe now in the qualification, they've qualified for around the 16. They've done exceptionally well. They're third in the premiership or fourth in the premiership. Um, so I think there's something of a, of a resurgence there. There's, there's always a romanticism in me that thinks that a team that's sort of on the way up, but you, you're going up. It's a David against Goliath situation. And, uh, I'm not quite sure they've got the stones mm. to, um, to, 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 to floor the Goliath and to lose. Uh, no, probably not. I, I think though, uh, either way, if win or lose, I think this is a good test for them to see where they where they at and how much they have progressed. Uh, so you know, if if it's one of those where they give to lose a good run for their money and stay in the game until the deep into the final quarter, then I think uh, they would have done themselves proud. But yeah, in terms of the result, uh, uh, you can't look past to lose. And then the final one, uh, a rather difficult one as well, Bayonne with an outside-outside chance of qualifying. They're on three points, fifth in pool three. Against Exeter, who've already qualified, they've come back from behind three times to win in this competition. Uh, I'm not quite sure Bayonne have really what it takes to qualify, and I don't think they're going to trouble anybody if they do qualify. But um, I suppose the, the real question here is, does Exeter want a home game? Yeah, I, I think also in the case of Bayon, I think their focus might also just be in their domestic league. So uh, overextending themselves against the Chiefs might not in the 
overall scheme of things uh, be their priority. So for me, the Chiefs. We're going to quickly go through the Challenge Cup games quickly. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on there. There's only three pools there, luckily. Less games, but four teams are going to drop down after this round from the Champions Cup. So we're going to have a quick look at those games. Um, yeah, there's the, <laughs> I'm not quite sure there's a, there's a lot to play for for a lot of teams, but uh, there's some teams that are already qualified. And uh, yeah, like like the, the Lions have qualified already, but the Cheetahs and the and the Sharks still need to qualify. They're pretty close to qualifying. Uh, but yeah, let's go through the the, the the quick fixtures quickly. Starting on Friday, Scarlet's Edinburgh. Uh, that's the opening one. Um, I'm just going to. I'm going to be brief. Yeah, you can be the M as well if you want. Okay, I'm going to be brief. I'll just give you. I'll I'll just give you uh, in terms of scoreline what I think will happen. Uh, I think Edinburgh by eight. Yeah, I also think Edinburgh will get that one quite, quite, quite easily. I must admit. Um, uh, Gloucester cast. Nah, Gloucester have been pretty decent this whole season. So, um, yeah, they've won all yeah. three. Yeah, 17, 18 points for me. Yeah. yeah. Then the, th- the Saturday Black Line from Georgia against Clermont. Um, Black Line are great. They need to win. They're desperate. They're playing in Tbilisi. But I think Clermont are too street smart. Probably 10 points there. Yeah. Clermont, 9, 10 points. Yeah, you're right. Pau Parma. Mm, that's an interesting one. Uh, both have good good chances mm. to qualify, so uh, yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, third and fourth in the log, and they both really need to win because dragons are just behind them. Although if the dragons lose against sharks, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably go with probably just on the home ground advantage there, but probably very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Po by four for me. Uh, Onyak cheetahs. Ah, uh, no, I think the cheetahs should win. Onyak that doesn't look like they really. Keen on this competition, they they, they haven't really shown mm-hmm. much. Uh, the cheetahs will be desperate after losing last week. Uh, I'd see the cheetahs, but probably a stuttering performance where they probably win by a few points. But mm-hmm. win. yeah, Benetton Montpellier. Yeah, I think that's, that's six. an interesting one. Uh, right? Benetton Mont. Yeah, mm. it's a very interesting one. That is, uh, I, I think Benetton uh, again just by sheer. Uh, Benefit of underground advantage. So for me, Benetton by five. Yeah, and they've had a good season so far, Benetton. So Sunday, very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they have. Pa- Perpignan, Newcastle Fal- Falcons. Both teams haven't really decided to to play this season. Yes. All their games. Who cares? Who wins? Am I being harsh? Perpignan by ten. <laughs> Perpignan by 10. That's all we need to say. And, and I, I'm, I'm being terrible here, and I'd say I don't really care either way. So. Uh, then to the Emirates Lions, the, the wonderful world of Germany, <laughs> where they're playing the Ospreys. I think the Emirates Lions will be too good on their home ground for the Ospreys. Uh, Ten points there for the Emirates Lions, and I think they'll qualify quite easily. Well, they have qualified. Mm, I'm thinking 14, if not more. Yeah, it depends if Ospreys want to play. Um, and, and then the, from the wonderful world of Hollywood bets, the Sharks playing the Dragons, uh, Welsh teams already haven't been great this season. Uh, Sharks, if they play anywhere close to their potential, yeah. I think they should win quite easily up there at Rodney Parade. Yeah, I've got them for by about 12 points. Um, they don't even have to be overly ambitious in this game, I don't think. So, yeah, by, by 12, 14 yeah. points, perhaps. So, with that, that should give us five teams in the next round, three in the Challenge Cup, uh, two in the Champions Cup coming through there next week. 
but it's going to be an interesting weekend. So that's that's it from us. Uh, that's the, the our predictions. That's to the last drop this week. And uh, hope you enjoyed listening to it. Join us again next week. Liam, enjoy your weekend's rugby. Have fun at Loftus. <laughs> I will do. Cheers. We'll chat next week. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.